Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, a writer, author, and playwright. And now we're going into episode number 87. And this one will be recalled, Rewriting in the Road to Renewal. I know, it sounds kind of snappy and catchy. But it is a critical uh, subject, and that's why I'm devoting an entire episode to it. Rewriting. Now, let's talk about that. What does rewriting really mean? Well, for me, and hopefully you adopt this definition as well, rewriting is like a second chance. I mean, we all ask for these second chances in, in life, in marriage, in relationships, at the job, I mean, in sports. I mean, we're always looking for some sort of a second chance, another, another time, another period where we can do better or maybe even redeem ourselves, possibly. But I tell you, in the end, Writing is far different than that because writing, which is, and this is a strange irony of it all, you can have more than one chances. You can keep going until you really feel it's protected because it's your world. It's your universe. You can control it. Well, that's why it never makes any sense to me when I have writers over here that send in drafts and they haven't done anything to rewrite it. I mean, are you crazy? You wouldn't do this in other things in life. You wouldn't just say, yeah, I'm going to just half-ass it and, you know, I'll never go try doing it again. People don't do that on all kinds of other facets of their life. So why do it to your writing? You're not only sort changing yourself in terms of it's not the best foot forward for you. It's not going to be your best work. You're going to get rejected more times than not. You know, but you're not really you're not really showing enough respect to the audience either. That you're not putting your best out there for them. And they're just supposed to read. You know, whatever you rolled out of bed and decided to write from a from a half dream or a partial memory or, or some notepad that you, you spilled, you know, soda on it last week. Come on. We can do better, and of course, we should be doing better. And that's what this show is going to be about, rewriting. Now, here's how you can go about it, okay? Lots of times, people, especially some of the more beginning writers, they, they get, I don't know, I guess, emotionally annoyed at the whole concept of, oh, God, i got to go back to that thing again and, and try to figure out how to improve on it. And I feel like I'm going backwards instead of forwards and blah, blah, blah. Let, let me correct you here, okay? So this way you won't have such an attitude, all right? You're not going backwards. You know why? Because you haven't even gone forwards yet. Until you do something better with that draft, it's just, it's just an unusual gear. It's not really going anywhere. Until you do something to it, you know, like re-review it, rewrite it, reread it again to yourself. Maybe you have to rewrite it again after that. You'll see as you go along that rewriting has enormous advantages. Like I said, it it, it's, it almost feels like you're getting another shot at something that, you know, you didn't do correctly the first time. We all want those chances, so why not want it in our art? 
That's why I never can understand that. And if you understand what I'm saying, you look at the bigger picture of it, it makes that much sense. You ought to be wanting to rush back to it. Now, if you're one of those people that really have some sort of, a, I don't know, institutional grievance to rewriting of something, well, there's ways to work around that. And I'm going to give you a perfect example, okay? I still do this to this day, by the way. And I don't even have a grievance with it. Well, and anymore, anyway. I did it a long time ago. But I, I don't anymore for decades now, okay? What I do is, if I construct something from my notes and become some sort of a draft, I don't care what it is, a play or essay, fiction, poetry, you know, whatever, book review, whatever, okay? I don't spend the time afterwards to rewrite it. I put it to the side and go on to some other stuff. I might have other thoughts on my heart and mind. I might have some other notes that I, I just want to explore as well. I just put that to the side. I come back to it another time. And I don't have a time clock on it. The other time, it could be, uh, you know, a week from now. could be a month from now. I, I had a piece that I came back to it literally 10 years later. And I'm not saying this is what you should do. Okay, not exactly the best practice, but I left it in the notebook for 10 years. I just didn't want to bother with it. Don't know why to this day, because when I finally sat down and did it, it only took a couple of rewrites and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It got published right away. The first shot I put out, it got published. So who knows if it needed that time or not, or was there all along? I don't know the answer to that. I know is you don't want to wait 10 years, but you certainly don't want to wait 10 minutes either. Okay, give it a little bit of time. That's usually the best way to go to back to a rewrite. Save it for a time when you're, you're not really feeling that, that creative urge to build something new, but you feel like you should be doing some writing or you should be doing something. That's when you go back and do the rewrites. You're going to find that in many instances, rewriting something has less stress involved in it. It has less pressure than when you're just sitting there with a blank page. What do I do with this three words? Oh, Lord. Well, you don't do nothing because it's just not ready for you. Go back to your other stuff. You're going to find that you're going to be flowing with it. It's going to work a lot better. You're going to get closer to getting something out there and crafted and ready to go. That's what I do. I, I found it's more natural for me. And it's not so guilt-ridden, you know what I mean? Oh, I need to get back to that batch of stuff, and who knows if something great can become out of it? Pfft. Yeah, who knows? It's just a batch of stuff until we look at it whenever time that uh, I appoint to do so. That's the best thing to do. You can use your so-called creative downtime, that's what I call it, when my brain just doesn't want to do anything new, and go back to the other stuff. And there, from there, you're creating something new in, in its own way, but you have something to start with. That's what's so great about having a first draft or having some notes. So, hell, even have a half a draft of something. At least you got something to start with. When you're starting from scratch, boy, that's really hard. Because unless you're really moving in a certain direction, you really got some kind of urge going into you. Or maybe you're even just upset. And sometimes you can harness that anger into something, which is not a bad thing, by the way. Then go back to that other stuff. That's where the best rewriting happens. Back when you just want to have some downtime, you know? I was talking to a writer the other day, and he said, uh, you know, my best damn time is just doing some artwork, just doing some, some covers and stuff, even if they don't ever make it to a book. Just, just, that's how I, I, I relax. That's how I get my mind to, to set itself free. I mean, nothing wrong with that either. But rewriting in its own way, to me, is a big stress reliever. I always find that editing, rewriting, proofreading, it's, to me, it's a whole lot easier than, than just creating from scratch. 
I, I just find it, it's more relieving to me. I still feel like I'm doing something important because I am, but again, I don't have that burden that you feel sometimes. You know, and I, and I tell you, depending on the kind of person you are, and, and, and you know how you're built, what you're made of, you might look at that and say. Yeah, I need to stick with that until something bursts through. And maybe that works for some people. And that's fine. Okay? I don't ridicule how a person wants to be creative. But for me, I always feel that um, if I need to sit down to do something and it's not working out that way, then I need to move on to other things. Drawing something, I don't know, art, some art stuff on the computer, rewriting, you know, looking at something to see if I have any errors in it or little proofreading, stuff like that. That's probably what I should be doing with that time. That's what that feeling means. That's what that mood is. And I, I simply obey it because I found for me, it's better to do that than get myself all agitated and I got like three sentences going. And, and even the three sentences I have, I'm like, you know, I hate two of those and I've been here two hours. It's such an enormous waste of time. Some things you just can't force. And I, I feel writing sometimes is one of those things. I mean, I think you could force it in, you know, if you got a deadline and, and you're some journalist or you're some guy working for popular mechanics, you know what I mean? I got to get this 19,000, you know, variation of how to fix my roof article out there and we'll give me my $200. That's different. You, you ought to force that. It's crap anyway. So why not? It's not anything really that creative, you know? It's just matter of fact type stuff. You're not going to hurt anything, and you, and you need to do it for your own contractual sake, if not to mention uh, you don't want to be eating macaroni and cheese for the rest of your life, okay? And I got that, and that's when you should be doing that. But for us people who are more literary, who, who believe in the creative process, and that's where we dwell at, well, that's something really, really, really different. You just can't force a lot of that stuff. And people who do, bad things happen. You might get yourself in a, in a mood that you shouldn't have had, you might, you might uh, kick in an onslaught depression for people who already have that. Uh, you, you might actually accidentally put yourself into a writer's block where you're like three days later, I can't seem to write. What the hell? Yeah, well, because you, your mind is telling you, give yourself a break or do something different and then it'll relax and you'll be okay. So that's why I obey that. And I suggest that if you guys have similar feelings or you've had similar circumstances, these are some of the reasons behind it. Okay? Now, it's not some exact science, okay? It really isn't. I mean, you might be listening to me and go, I don't understand a single guy thing this guy is saying, and I don't relate to any of this. That's fine. But I find most readers, they have some, some similarities to me, just like I have some similarities to other writers about certain things. So, to me, we're all one big creative uh, family in that kind of way, and we need to keep that in mind as we share things with each other and try to help each other which is really more what we should be doing. And I don't really see enough of that. Probably going to have an episode on that one day, writers helping each other. I don't mean any, any of these silly Facebook groups that have those kind of names because that don't mean crap. It's all vanity publishers, which we're going to have an episode on that, by the way. You know, and, and, and writers for hire. I'll give you $1,000 and and I'll, I'll, I'll whip this into shape. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're going to whip the writer until they fall down and, and bleed out their debit card. But I don't know about no shape. So that last, last, all those places are filled with ads and advertisements, all kinds of people selling you services and this and that. And to me, I don't know how that last stuff is helping you at all. Other than helping lighten your wallet, that'd be about it. 
or raid your pocketbook. That's about all they're doing. They're not really helping you, okay? This show, I feel, definitely helps somebody. And I'm not trying to say that in an arrogant way. I'm just saying that in a matter-of-fact way. We convey lots of important things. We don't charge nobody a dime for anything. If you want to go to my uh, you know, my uh, publishing company and pick up a book or something, be my guest. If you don't, you can keep living the show forever without, without any obligation. That's what people mean when they say they're helping you. There's no strings attached, really. Not like the other nonsense out there. So keep 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 aware of that if you can. And keep away from it if you can, please. Now, there's a couple, what I feel, are stages of rewriting. So we're going to kind of go over those just so you can get like a basic formula. Again, this isn't gospel, okay? This didn't come from a tablet from the mountain, all right? This is some, some secret alien file deep in the ocean, all right? It's just my basic idea of a formula to rewriting. Something I, I generally uh, follow as I discovered that it, it became useful and necessary, all right? Now, rewriting, in my definition, besides the fact that it's giving you a second chance, of course, just in a, in a formularic sense, Okay, it's really not creating a first draft. That's not rewriting. That's actual writing. And this is why there's such a separation. And when you see it, you'll be really flabbergasted to realize that in many instances, what you wrote down as a first draft, most of it you might not even use. It might just be a few kernels or crude germs or a few just base notes of something that becomes an orchestra and, and an opera or a, a big, big momentous piece later. But it wasn't that piece right there. You know, it's just the beginning stages of something. The rewriting is truly when you're actually doing the writing that's necessary. But it's called rewriting because you simply are taking that stuff you did the first time, which was writing, all right, and creating something new and interesting and going in the direction that it's supposed to have gone to. And might have stopped right there. You might have ran out of the ideas. You know what I mean? You might have just, you know, was too tired afterwards and blah, blah, blah. Who knows how long that took? You know, you could do a first draft in, in a couple hours sometimes. And after that, you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done with this. I'll, I'll look at it another time. And that's fine. That's actually the natural way of going about things. So rewriting on that first rewrite is taking that draft, okay, and start doing something different with it. You're reading it over carefully. No, I don't like this. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I should try that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. That's what you're doing. That's how you're starting to rewrite it. You can start putting notes in between it on a piece of paper. You know, some people, the old-fashioned uh, method was, you know, do a red pen. Me, I'm not into all that crap. I, hell, I don't even think I own a red pen, okay? You know, I don't own a red shirt either, so sorry. I'm just not big on red. Maybe it's just my whole Cold War mentality. But nevertheless... I like writing in between stuff whenever I do get something printed out. There are times when I do my rewriting strictly by pen and paper because I printed out the draft. There are also plenty of other times where I'm doing the rewriting on my phone someplace else because the whole draft was on the phone. Now I'm going back and looking at it. Oh my God, I hate this. Holy moly, let's try to do this. Wow, how is this so awesome and surrounded by junk? I do that a lot. I almost make myself laugh. I look at some key line or see Keem Thought and go, this is fabulous. And all the rest of the stuff around it sucks. Oh, my God. You know, I might have to just jet all that junk out except for that and just start over again that way. You'll, you might get those times. And that's fine. That's what rewriting is all about. Now, there isn't any strong rule 
okay? And I don't even have one that when you're done with your rewrite, now you're done, you can go submit it, okay? I mean, I would say this to you in the most commonsensical way, okay? Um, you have a better chance of that the first rewrite is going to be a whole lot better than the first draft, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I would say that would be true. Whether it's truly ready to be go submitted to somebody or not, I don't know. Only you're going to be able to really know that. It just depends on how you feel it's going. Can you see the big improvements? Is it starting getting closer to the direction you want? Is it better maybe to write it again another time and wait? That's what you're going to have to make a choice on. I tell people all the time, do not submit a draft. But it's kind of hard to tell somebody if they spent a few hours in a rewrite and, and did all kinds of different changes that maybe that's not ready to go. You know, my own mind and my own experience says, no, it's not. I'd like to do a few more times. That's me. Others, they might feel, hey, I think it's worth it a shot and, and see what happens. You'll learn over time whether that's the best practice or not for yourself. Because there'll be times later on, a month or two or three months later, where you look at something, whether it was published or not, and say, yeah, I see things I could still be doing to it. And then you just take it on down from submitting it and just go working on it again. So you don't need my show. You don't need me to be you know, haranguing you over that. You'll, you'll notice that, what's going on, okay? I, I just try to go with baby steps with people. At least get that first ride rated. At least you can do that, and, and it gives you a much better chance and gives you a better idea of what you're trying to do. You'll start learning inside yourself the various practices that are necessary. All right, folks, now I want to just break this down to a couple of different stages, okay? And don't forget, this is pretty much what I do. It doesn't necessarily mean this is what you have to do or, or if it's the only way. I mean, some of it you're going to find useful because it just makes some practical sense. I go a little bit longer than the average person does. And it's going to be different than, you know, the writing book that you get that costs $25 and, you know, puts you to sleep in about 25 minutes, okay? So it's going to definitely be different, but this is how I, I, I approach it, okay? And I approach it the same way, whether it's a poem or an essay or a play or whatever I do. It's all the same for me, okay? Now, many people uh, out there, they feel that the first draft is, is the first draft. And I, I have a different opinion on that, okay? What I feel is when, when you start off, you're doing a transition from the notes that you have taken over the course of who knows how long, all right? And when you formulate that together, even if it's just a paragraph or a title or a couple of keywords or maybe just some outline of some ideas, to me, that becomes the first draft. And it doesn't mean that it's ready to go out. I mean, because most first drafts are never ready to go out anyway. It just means that now you have taken something that was just a bunch of uh, ideas and, and notes, and, and now you're starting to form something. I mean, it's in the beginning stages, don't get me wrong, but it's still it's still a formation, all right? So I call that the first draft, all right? Note-taking and the first draft, in my opinion, are not actually rewriting. They're actually writing, and they're outside of what we're talking about on the show. So when we talk about these other steps, just understand that I already presuppose you took the notes and you put together some basic formation of a first draft, okay? I consider writing, rewriting, excuse me, I consider rewriting to be a second draft, okay? And on the second draft, that's when you start rereading what you just did before. Now, remember, this could be 10 minutes later after you did this uh, transition from the notes and, and did the first draft, or it could be a day or two, a week later. Hell, sometimes it could be months. But on the second draft, you're rereading what you've done, okay? After that, 
you're getting a, a you're getting a notion. You're getting a kind of a, a a real good feeling about okay. I think I'm going to go here, and then you start adding some work to it, meaning that you're starting to add some writing to it. But this is still rewriting because anything you do after the first draft, you're going into the second draft. That's all rewriting. Okay. And rewriting doesn't have to be rewriting over something that you already did. It can just simply be adding stuff to it. Because in the end, you're trying to formulate a, a whole piece, a poem or essay, a fiction or whatever. All right. Third thing after rereading it and adding work is correcting some words. You're going to start noticing things that don't really play. They don't really play anymore because you might have changed some stuff or you might have thought about it in a different fashion. You want to add this or change that. That's really important for rewriting. Okay. Sometimes just by changing a couple words around, it can change the direction. Hell, it can even inspire you in, in a strange way to go. And it's almost like you just added some fuel to the fire. You know, almost like those old train conductor guys. You know, telling the telling the guy in the coal car, yeah, throw a couple more scoops in there because they know they can get a little bit more power. And it's the same way. And then at the end of that correcting words, you do another reread. See where you're at at that point. Some people, including myself, I'll, I'll just stop at that point. Because I don't feel I have anything else. I've done something I could do and I go on to some other things. Because I might want to come back another time. You can still do this in one sitting if you want. But I would only suggest you do that if you really feel that your direction that you just discovered is solid. And you feel you feel some notion of inspiration. You feel some, you know, like they say, the muse talking to you, whatever. I mean, fine. Then, then roll with it. Always roll with it if you got the time and you're feeling that it's going your way. But if you don't, again, don't. Go back to another time. It's always a bad idea to force things in writing because it never comes out right. Or later on, you reread it and you're like, let me get this straight here. These first uh, three paragraphs are in this direction and now this is going in another direction because that's what happens. You didn't reread it or you forgot what you already wrote and then literally the other, the other paragraphs are going someplace else and now the thing is becoming a mess. That's why it's never a good idea to, to, to force something. You either feel it or, or you don't. Okay? Now, whether you're coming back to it a couple minutes later or a couple days later, you're on to the third draft. And for me, in my own little, I don't know, formula system, whatever you want to call it, this is something I, I, I work for myself. The third draft for me is really when this thing starts to take some real shape. Okay? So, um... At that point, if I haven't formed a, a, an actual beginning, and, and, and for me, a beginning is a, a, a key thought, a key phrase, a, a really strong sentence. That's what I, I feel a beginning is. It doesn't even matter if I change it later on. It's just that at that moment, I feel that it's going to be enough now to keep me going. Yeah, I feel good about this. Boom, I put that in there on the third draft. All right? Then... As I'm rereading this thing, I might get a better idea of how, where this is going to exactly go, okay? Because sometimes when you write a piece, it could be artistic in the sense that it's, I wouldn't call it vague, but I, I would say that it has more dimensions and, and possibly it, 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 it could have different meanings to different people. You know, it has it has that sort of that multi-purpose. Sometimes it happens with artwork versus something that's a nonfiction that you really can't do that as much. I mean, you, you can't be that mysterious when you're writing something that's nonfiction because it's supposed to have a direct point of view. Then that would be different then. If I have a better idea than the other point of view, I'll do that. If we're talking about fiction, I, I might keep with that whole mysterious thing and maybe even add another layer to it just for the fun of it. If it's necessary, if it seems like it's going to really work. All right? 
Next, I want to rewrite some passages. This is really on the third draft for me is when I actually start going into the paragraphs. So let's say I have five, six, seven at this point. You know, I might want to start going in and read each one of them. No, I want to say this. No, I want to move that. No, maybe actually move this around. And that's when you really start doing the actual, you know, physical rewriting of this thing. Because now you have a better idea of the shape of it and where you want to go. And, and therefore, you could be a little bit more um, precise. Even if you're being multi-dimensional, you can still be precise in your multi-dimensions. I know this sounds like a contradiction in terms, but it's not. You'll you'll feel what I'm saying easily, and you're like, yeah, it makes sense. Even though on paper it looks kind of weird, but it makes sense. Uh, sometimes you want to add some more work here because you might feel that, hey, you know, I'm at the third draft right now. I'm probably only 75% there. I got to add a little bit more to, to wrap this thing up. And that little bit more... Could be beefing up the beginning of the whole thing. You didn't like the way that rolled. Or beefing up the middle because you, you kind of like slacking over there. Or like for me, for me, I, my habit and my my thought frame in creative writing is oftentimes when I'm having to add a significant amount of work, I mean anywhere between 10 and 25% of the work, it's usually on the latter half of it for me. For some reason, I seem to start strong. I, I kind of do better in the middle because I'm doing the whole rewriting stage at the second draft. But it's always that third one that I need to, to really work on the most. So for me, more times than not, it's that last paragraph or two that, that's important. And then, of course, last is trying to settle on the ending. To, to, to make it as really obvious, okay, you're on the third draft, all right? If you filled in what you felt was the blanks towards the end there and you, you just have a good ending there, then you, you're pretty much done. You could start looking at this again just to tinker with it later on or another time and then feel good. I'm, I'm ready to send this out. Or, uh, quite frankly, if you did not really settle on the ending, you just sort of settled on a, a, an end part of everything, you might have to be going into the fourth trash stage then. Because if you don't have a settled ending by then, you're not really done. You're definitely not ready to be sending it out. So those are sort of the, I guess you could say, structure that, that I follow. And I only put that together because, like everything else I've done, I, I had to create my own way of doing things. I just could not follow uh, what other books have said or even what other writers have said. Now, I, it doesn't mean that what they're saying was irrelevant because, Grace, well, it was relevant. Even those boring books I tell you about, they're relevant. They just don't exactly have a whole life to inspire you with. How the hell are you going to inspire somebody to inspiration when you're not inspirational yourself? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a, a weird contradiction, really, in, in, in actions, you know? I'm going to drone on about something that's supposed to be exciting, and I, and I sound like I want to go to sleep. So it, that's how a lot of those books are written, very dry and, and boring and academic. And I, I don't really think they, they settle very well. Sometimes a show like this, even if you don't agree with everything I'm saying, or even if you don't want to do everything I'm saying, and, and that's fine on both of those counts, um, I, I try to make it interesting. I certainly try to make it as entertaining as possible. Try a couple couple stories from other people or for myself in there, because I think oftentimes the, the, the you know just the voice and hearing things, and you can always replay it over again too. You know, especially if you're cleaning dishes or, or driving your car or going to school or work in the bus or, you know, you're in the gym. I mean, people listen to the show in all kinds of different facets of, the, of their life. You know, they could just re-listen to something again, see if it, it, it sparked an interest or see if it gave them an idea. You know, what I believe will happen 
is you're going to get a lot of people who are not going to follow exactly what I'm saying here. And that's fine because they might be able to just a simple think, say to themselves, hey, he put together a structure that works for him. Maybe I should put together a structure that works for me. And that's really what you should be doing, I feel, anyway. But I don't mean don't take this and run with it and use it. I don't care. That's great. But if you can find some way to tinker with it or adapt it to yourself, to me, that's the most ideal way of going about things. Okay? And you're going to find it helps you a, a great deal. Because I, I had that wonderful interview with Michelle Young the other day, and she said a lot of interesting things in writing that I really liked. And one of the things she had mentioned was is that finding finding your own way was itself not only a journey artistically, but it, it wound up becoming a, like a creative fuel in itself. She found that doing research kind of helped her in, in, in different ways and writing a book, trying to figure out her own methods and, 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 and madness, so to speak, in writing also what became a creative fuel. So she makes some really good points there. And I think that might actually uh, help you when you listen to the show and think about what you might want to do, you know, to, to, to create this. But rewriting is, like I say in the, in the show's title, it's like a it's like a renewal. It's like it's almost like being you know artistically born again, as they used to say. And that's why I call it the road to renewal because in the end, you really are reshaping and then ultimately renewing your notes, your transition, and all the various forms until you get to where you're supposed to be at. You know, and I always feel that in many ways, without trying to sound too controversial over here. The writers that take the steps, I don't care what steps they take, mine, theirs, Uncle Jim's, whatever, all right? Whatever steps they take, as long as they're taking steps, as long as they're putting in the process that helps them find the grammar errors and find the proofreading issues and find the storylines that are incongruent and, and find the, the beginning and the endings that will weaken and strengthen them, as long as they found something to do on that, they're going to put out better work and they're going to have a, a greater chance of being accepted. It's just really that simple. And I find the ones that don't want to do that, they're not going to be as acceptable. They're, and then when they do put something out there that's passable, that's what it is. I don't know about you folks, but I don't want to do all this for passable stuff. Yeah, man, I got um, I got some stuff out, man, like six magazines. And, uh, you know, check it out. And then you, you go to the link and you read something, and you're like, really? This is your idea of doing something interesting and creative? Something that might be has an edge, maybe something that actually has a, a, a if not a valid viewpoint, uh, uh, something that's slightly uh, uh, original or, or a little bit off the theme of something. No, you're doing the same boring stuff everybody else is doing. I mean, congratulations on getting published, but if this is going to be your whole career, yep, definitely going to be not looking at your stuff anymore. Why would I want to invest in one of your books or review anything you've done or, or anything else for that matter? If you're going to put out stuff that's just passable, you're going to put out stuff that's going to make my cat fall asleep. This is not going to work. This is not what you're supposed to be here for. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. It's the reason why there's a process. And you form it as you want to form it, but it's what helps you become from boring to interesting. Okay? From passable to something that has some passion. Not everything you're going to write is going to have passion. Not everything is going to be perfect. Not everything is going to be exciting. Not everything is going to get published. That's all fine and good. But that doesn't mean that you're not, you're not supposed to be shooting 100% every time. 
what baseball player stands, stands there and, and says, uh, yeah, I'm just going to get a base hit, man. That's all. No, they don't. They're thinking about something bigger. They might not always thinking about, I'm going to hit a home run now, but they're thinking about blasting it out there to do something. Something better than 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 the passable, a, a single. Something that's better than, you know, this button stuff just to get some dork on the base. I mean, come on. It's the same thing with writing. I don't understand how writers don't shoot for the stars and then they wonder why they're still grounded on Earth. Well, that's why. The stars are up there and your eyes are still down here. Wake the hell up, okay? Because you can't wake anybody else up that what you're writing if you're not even woke yourself. And I don't mean all that political woke term crap that doesn't make any sense, okay? I'm talking about just being awake that you know in your heart, you know in your soul that when you've just formulated this piece and you feel that it's ready to go, that it does have something interesting to say, that it has a valid viewpoint, that it pushes some little envelope or boundary, that it sounds like who you want it to sound like. You just don't sound like some generic creating writing course you took at the, you know, the university or something. And 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 some some dork over there says, yeah, this this will work, man. Here's an A. Hey, he might have given you an A. The writers might not be giving you an A. Okay, they might not give you an F, but again, they're not giving you an A either. And I'm certainly not going to. And you remember, those are the people you got to start to impress. The editors and, and the readers out there, because those are the people that later on, when you're putting out collections of books and other things, those are going to people that are going to say, you know, I remember her. Yeah, I got. I should check this out. Versus, oh God, I remember her. No, I don't think so. You know, uh, ten pages about, you know, four four cats uh, playing with a, a butterfly in in the backyard. And, and then one uh, stumbles on a, a, a dead moose or something. I mean, come on. This is not going to work, all right? That's not what writing supposed to be about, to bore people. It needs to be something more than that, okay? That's why the process is there, because it helps you redraft. It helps you rethink. It helps you rewrite. And in the end, it helps you renew all the things you're doing so that you could form it in something and reshape it. I know that's a lot of reads, but that's what happens because you're going to be getting this out to readers. Okay. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't care how many times they read other people. Okay. People, especially readers, they generally have good memories. They really do. They remember. Oh, yeah. I remember that piece about. The, the robots underneath the bed and you know or I remember that piece about you know the um, the raccoon stuck on the roof and won't come down making all kinds of weird noises and stuff running around everywhere tapping everything I thought it was a monster but it's just a stupid raccoon you know they're gonna remember about that that marine you know uh, stuck in some jungle on, on an island in, in, in the Pacific in World War II how do I get back to my unit you know, how do I be quiet enough to not stumble on a Japanese patrol who's just going to wipe me the heck out? You know, how do I make every bullet count? You know, how do I sneak up on somebody with a knife so I can save a bullet and, and do what I got to do to get back? Interesting things like that. That's what we should be working on. That's what we should be focusing on. You know, and I found that there's a lot of writers out there that are technically good. But they're not saying anything that's useful. These are the people that are normally produced and published in a lot of academic magazines, unfortunately. 
because those folks over there, they're looking, they're looking for grammar and they're looking for proofreading and they're looking for some basic sentence structure and they're looking for something that maybe has a beginning, middle, and the end. So they're really looking for very, uh, what I feel is very boring and traditional things. And when you look for that stuff, you're going to find some of that stuff right out of the creative writing course. But just because it's called creative writing doesn't mean you're really being creative, okay? So please keep that in mind. I got to reject too many writers, and oftentimes I, when I read other stuff in other magazines, I can't believe how much junk that I read. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Come on now. What is this saying? What is this supposed to be doing here? They don't even know. If you don't know what you're saying, then you need to go back to the drawing board with that piece. And if you can't figure out any interesting ideas, maybe writing is not for you, okay? You're not going to hear that a lot. You're not going to hear people say that to you. Maybe writing is not for you. I say it on a regular basis. I, I say when somebody gives me six and seven different pieces over the course of a couple months, each one of them more boring than the next, this might not be for them. And I'll tell them that straight out. Yeah, you might actually get published in a few magazines with this kind of crap, but I, I don't see what it's going to do for you. I'm certainly never going to want to review a book full of this. If I can't even publish it, I'm certainly not going to want to review the book. So it makes no sense. Why do the work? Because it is work, folks, and not be interesting, and not be passionate, and not have a, a, a different point of view. And I'll, and I'll read all kinds of stuff that doesn't bother me. I don't even have to agree with it, you know? I've read stuff that, that really hinges on some kind of feminist idea. You know, feminism really isn't exactly for me. I, I don't always agree with all the tenets. I mean, I agree with the basic things that, you know, you need to treat women with respect, you need to treat women equally, and they, they should have equal pay. But all the other stuff beyond that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe because I'm not a woman? Hmm? Or, or maybe just because I, I, I think it, it, it's trying to justify itself versus just stick with some of the basic commonsensical things. And I, I've read some pieces that incorporated all kinds of wacky ideas. <laughs> as long as it's written well and it's interesting, I'm going to publish it. Don't, I don't care if I agree with it or not. <laughs> you know, it, it should be interesting, even if I have to agree with it. And this is what you have to do. Got to keep that in mind. We can't all be perfectly original in everything we do, and that's fine. Nobody can. But you need to figure out a twist. You need to figure out something you're introducing over there that really hasn't been introduced before. You need to be able to gravitate to yourself and learn something about yourself that you can incorporate it in there. Because when you do that, originally, excuse me, already you already have something that's a, that's a bit unique, that's a bit original. Because you were able to put something in there. You're important something in, in, in about yourself or a private thought. Or a private feeling, or possibly even just a, a, a memory you haven't shared before. Put it in there. Alter it a bit if you want and fictionalize it, that's great. But that's what you're supposed to be doing as a writer. Something in there has to be about you in there. Okay? Can't be 100%. Uh, this is all about them. I don't, I don't know. That's not possible, okay? You could write science fiction about weird aliens with 17 legs and, and, and four general organs, you know, with purple heads on, on, on the planet Xeon, and it doesn't mean that there's still not something in there about you. There has to be. It's how we become not only writers, it's also how we become unique and interesting writers, because we are relaying to something that a person really haven't heard of or experienced before. Because we're unique. 
So take your uniqueness and put it into the writing. Okay? It's not any time to be shy. It's not any time to be super private. I know we got a lot of people that, that want to feel that way, but you're a writer. Which means that in many ways, even if you're not on the show, or even if you don't get on the show anytime soon, you are in your own way a bit of a broadcaster. That's really the original broadcast. That first poem that was written thousands of years ago. Every time somebody reads it, it's a broadcast from that person. And oftentimes they would read it in public too. Back in the Roman days, the, the poem was called a lyric and that was pretty much a song. People would literally read that off and that became a song. And so later on they realized to carry the, you know, the note and the vocal and all that. But that's where it came from. Imagine how interesting original that had to be. You think someone wanted to hear something about, oh, yeah, I, I tended the goats this afternoon, and, and the sheep pooped over here, and I had to scare away a wolf, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired because it's hot out here, and, man, I wish I had a different job, and my father's a pain in the butt, and my mother's always torturing me, and, you know, oh, they don't want to hear that stuff. That's your regular life. Your job as a writer is take all that boring goat work and all that parental friggin' harassment and turn it into something interesting. That's what you're supposed to do as a writer, okay? It's about taking things in life, converting them in such a way that you can still impart certain interesting thoughts, feelings, humor, whatever, and, and, and be a little different about it. Skew it, but still... You have fun with it. Yeah, it's something that somebody might even learn about you, about the world, about an issue. That's what you do. That's what writers do. That's pretty much what our job is. Make life that can be boring interesting. And sometimes it's about things that are in life that are interesting and maybe we can make them more interesting. You know, or maybe we could boil something that's super tragic into something that is a little less tragic because now we're trying to make some sense of it all. We're trying to get some meaning out of it. We're trying to get maybe some positive attributes. I know it probably sounds hard as hell, you know, if you lose a parent. How the hell does that sound positive? But there are positive things to death, or even when we have a, a loved one that we lose because we can impart to the world all those wonderful things that they shared with us that they experienced with us, that they taught us, and some of the great things they did in their lives. They are all those positive things. Death doesn't have to be some big negative thing. And that's what writers can do. Again, bringing out something that you would think would be negative and make it interesting and make it positive and make it informative and make it educational. Maybe even make it a bit moral. Nothing wrong with that. You could do that every time. If you sit down and you plan to do so, rather than wallowing in grief or just, just letting it be the, what the average person does. Yeah, mother died. It was really depressing. And I broke up with my girlfriend because of that because I just really couldn't concentrate anymore on anybody else. And, hey, my mom didn't like her anyway, so what the heck? And, you know, that's what the average person does. You are a writer, which means that you are not the average person. More is expected of you. It might not sound fair, but that's what it is, okay? You know, I tell I tell cops every day who I talk to. Some of them, uh, when, I, when I have to deal with them on, as veterans, you know, in, uh, in uh, post-stress, uh, you know, sessions and using writing as a therapy. Yeah. I, I know that you might feel you get the slings and arrows of the public 
you know, because people are nervous around cops and sometimes people don't like cops. So sometimes they think they're pushy or they think they're stereotypically abusing power or whatever. All of that stuff might be true and all that stuff might not be true depending on the cop. You know what I mean? That's so you, you can't really say one or the other. But what you can say is that definitively the public has every right to expect that a cop is living and acting above what the rest of us do because they have such authority, because they have such laws that they are memorized and have to enforce, because they have a gun. We expect more, we expect better. So if we do that for them, no different than a firefighter. I don't expect a firefighter to be a, you know, a fire bug and somebody completely unsafe once they get off the job and go home. I mean, that's crazy. I expect them to be like just as militant, just as cautious, just as diligent. Hey, I like that. Diligent and militant, it kind of rhymes. And I feel I feel the writers the same way. You, you got to be above some of the average person out there who, who, who doesn't always see everything, who doesn't always consider everything, who's not contemplating, who's not always introspective, who often just flies off the handle or, or, or starts off on a rant, whatever, ever thinking. You know? That's what I always laugh about writers. Sometimes writers are just rants that actually have some intelligence to them. Versus the average person that just says stupid stuff off the off the, because they're frustrated that day. None of it makes any sense, of course. But uh, yeah, okay, thanks. That that helps the discourse of of the society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll get civil that way. So that's your job. You got to be better and more interesting than the average person. You got to impart something that they might be able to learn. You could be helping to improve society, to even improve the world. What what you're writing. Not everything you write is going to do that, but you're going to have pieces that could do that. And it's because you came up with something and because you spent the time to rewrite it and, and take that renewal that's at the heart of, of any kind of rewriting and making something fresh and something that people can cling to. When they cling to it, I, I hate to sound like some kind of marketing person, but when they cling to your writing and the title of what you did, and some of the key notions that came out of it, they're clinging to your name, okay? They're going to remember Michelle Young as an example, okay? Oh, yeah, she came out with a second novel. Oh, yeah, yeah, I should get that because I like that she did a lot of research and that she cared about this and she's trying to do that. That means this woman cares. That means this woman's going to deliver. Remember, that's what that's all about. People have every right to say in their mind about your writing, she delivered once, I'm going to give her a chance because I think she's going to deliver it again. Versus, oh no man, that, that, that essay he did, it was just all over the place. I mean, it's just, I, I can't see where he was coming with it. I mean, so I, I don't want to like read another thing of his. I'll just go with somebody else. I'm sorry, but sometimes you're only going to get one chance. Oh, is that a book coming out? Oh, I don't know, man. That last couple things I'm not too sure about. I'm not sure if I want to put out $5, $10, $15. People are going to have that. You might see that's vicious. You might say that's that's unfair. You might say that that's unkind. Hey, maybe all that's true, what you're saying. But that's on you. All right? Writing is not just work. It's also a responsibility. All right? And it's like playing pool. Okay? You want to win? You want to beat somebody that plays pool well? Well, guess what? Every shot you make... It has to be geared to making the next shot. You literally have to think ahead already. If you don't do that, and you just do one ball at a time, you're going to lose. It's no different with writing. 
it has to have an impact. Your name has to mean something in the end. Because of the impact. And then they're going to remember you for other things. And that's how you build an audience. That's how you build a readership. That's how you build a bit of a name for yourself. And then you go from there. Are you going to sell a million books like Stephen King? Or everybody's going to know you from a spy novel or something? Who knows? I mean, the odds are against that sort of stuff. But does it mean that you can't be selling books? You can't be getting out there? You can't be building a readership? It all takes time. It took time for him, too. Why is it not going to take time for you? Writing is not like going to a convenience store, okay? And I got to get something quick and get out of there and feel happy. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes some personal drudging. It also takes getting through some things that maybe other people don't have to deal with. You know, maybe you have to deal with physical ailments that you have to work on that could, you know, give you problems with, uh, you know, really concentrating. Uh, you could be dealing with momentary lapses of memory or, or even possibly depression. And, and you have to deal with that. You know, besides the normal stuff of life, like, you know, job and family and kids and cleaning a house that never seems to stay clean because you got, like, too many animals and you like to put all these animals in your own little Noah's Ark and float them away for about a week just, just so you don't have to deal with it for a little while. I feel that way sometimes. And I love the animals, but, God, it's a lot of work, you know? I'm not getting any younger either, so I already told my animals... Don't die, because uh, I'm definitely not going to interest in replacing you. That's enough. I can't take any more of it. This is too much work. Got enough work to do. Somebody has to, like, give me a hand. The kids are getting old enough now where they're doing more, thank God. But still, it's a lot of work. So consider all those things, okay? And consider the fact that, in the end, being a writer has responsibilities, it is a job. It may be not a job that lots of people understand. It may not be a job that they always appreciate. In the beginning, it might be a job that you don't have too many people reading about yet. But still, it is a job. Take it seriously if you really want something to happen out of it. If you want to go Hollywood and you think you're going to be a star tomorrow, this is probably not for you. Okay? Maybe you should take up tap dancing or, I don't know, put something like uh, sexy on and do some YouTube video or something. But... Writing is not any of that at all, okay? <laughs> in many ways, writing is quite unsexy. <laughs> and, and, and the act of doing it sometimes can be very uninteresting. All right? I've had plenty of times, and you will too, and don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty. There's no guilt about it. Ah, I hate this draft. Um, I don't even like what I'm doing with this thing. And... They're going to put it to the side before a while and just work on something else. Because sometimes it could be you just got yourself in a hole or you just you became uninterested in what you thought was interesting a week ago. You're going to, you're going to have times like that, too. And that's okay. That's your own way of, of self-editing. You know? You know, uh, Ernest Hemingway say that one of the best things for writing is to have a, a built-in BS detector. That's what he said. If you could detect your own BS, you could stop yourself from putting out crappy writing out there. <laughs> so that might be a way of doing it right there. Oh, my God. After about three drafts, this thing is still dumb. It means it's just not workable. It's just, let me get rid of it. Bye. Do something else. I've done that a few times. You might well, too. I did one one time. I scrapped everything but the title. Because in the end, the title was the only damn thing that seemed to be valid. Everything else was just garbage. I'm like, ugh. What is going on? That happens. Not everything's going to be a, you know, a, a, a gem, okay? 
You know, they, they say in South Africa, you're digging the, in the diamond mines and not every rock and everything you put out there is going to produce a diamond or it's going to be a diamond inside. Sometimes it's just a damn rock that you did all this work for and there's nothing inside of it. That's going to happen too. But in the end, you find that diamond and that's why they call it a diamond in the rough. That's, that's where the phrase actually comes from. All that rough crap out there, digging and everything, and you find a diamond. When you find it, everything seems to be worthwhile. Five pieces you thought sucked mattered because the sixth one didn't. You almost feel like somehow you had to do all that to get to this. And creatively, there might be some truth to that. And it could be just because you borrowed some ideas or it helped activate a certain flow to get to that really great six piece. Or it could just simply be that you needed to get that junk out of your system so you can get onto something else that was supposed to be there. Almost like clogging up a pipe. You know, it can't, the water can't get through the other ends until you stop that, that clog from happening. You might have put some snake in there to get it out of there or put some Drano or something. But whatever the hell you had to do, clear that crap out and then other stuff will happen. You know, it's what I used to call uh, emotional constipation. So sometimes bad writing, bad ideas or something you scrap later on is still beneficial to the process because you're clearing out other stuff. And maybe it's a good thing you don't have to worry about something that wasn't going anywhere anything. You go work on something else. So all of this helps with the renewal. All of this helps with rewriting. And all of this helps for you to, to start gaining a, a better focus or maybe even a, a refocus. I know I like re on everything in this thing here, okay? I just don't like refried beans, but I'll go read on just about everything else, okay? So I'll definitely keep all this in mind, folks. And this has been Rewriting and the Road to Renewal. Okay, strength to be human. Until next time, folks, God bless. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com. <laughs>